So the last time I saw my family online was about two or three hours back. I don't want to disturb them now because I guess their sleep is disturbed and their peace is disturbed completely. So I always wait for uh, like the SMS or update or checking when they were online last time. Namaste. On February 24, 2022, Russia began an, a devastating attack on Ukraine, a European democracy of 44 million people, bombarding its cities and prompting a mass exodus of refugees. There have been casualties on both sides, with at least 13,000 deaths, over 2.3 million people displaced, and property damage of over $100 billion. Unfortunately, as the saying goes, war doesn't determine who's right, only it determines who's left. Today, we cross a two-week milestone of the war with no ceasefire or end in sight. We at the Infinity Channel are making a sincere attempt to present to you both sides of the story, as the truth is always more complex than what news publications and politicians want you to believe. Today, we have with us Dr. Galina Kogut, President, Ukrainian Club Singapore, and the founder of the Ukrainian Language School in Singapore. Dr. Galina Ji is a researcher with National Institute of Education and has a PhD from NTU Singapore. Born in Ukraine, Galina has widely researched and taught Western psychology and Eastern philosophies. She has tra translated various Indian scriptures into Eastern European languages and is the author of the recently launched and very popular book, An Atheist Get the Gita. Namaste Galina Ji, really appreciate you taking the time to talk about this in this difficult situation. Uh, thank you very much. Um, so uh, just to say uh, thank you for the introduction. Uh, just to say a few words on my part. Uh, uh, casualties on both sides. What do we mean by casualties? Casualties is something which happens to those people who are not involved into fighting as like civilians, right? So yes, there is a lot of casualties. Uh, on Ukrainian side because uh, Russian bombs are hitting schools. They're hitting people in the streets. A few tanks where they overran people riding the cars or bicycles. Uh, two days ago, they bombed the maternity house. We can't call things which happened to the Russian army in Ukrainian land casualties because they are soldiers who are called by their leader to go in the tanks, in the planes, to wreck and to destroy a neighboring country. So we can't call casualties on both sides. Casualties are happening on Ukrainian side. Whatever happens on Russian side, that's the, uh, the full-fledged professional and the conscript, conscripted army which has invaded the territory of Ukraine on the 24th of February, 2022. Yeah, so this is just a small correction on my side. So also when we say that the war doesn't say who is right, the war says who is left, um, probably yes, but probably not. Because um, the truth is whoever is the aggressor is not right. Ukraine was not the one who attacked Russia. Ukraine is not bombing Russia, causing casualties on Russian side. 
this is only uh, the, the, the missiles, the cruise missiles, um, the bombs, the tanks, and other ammunition is coming from the Russian side on Ukrainian land, giving and causing casualties and causing grief and thousands of refugees, millions of refugees now and misplaced people within the country in the past two weeks in Ukraine. Noted, Kalinaji, and thank you so much for uh, being forthcoming with that. Could you help us uh, understand what is the current situation? How's your family doing? How are your friends doing? And how is the current situation in Ukraine right now? Uh, at the moment, it's, uh, uh, let me tell you, it's about 2 a.m. there. So the last time I saw my family online was about two or three hours back. I don't want to disturb them now because I guess their sleep is disturbed and their peace is disturbed completely. So I always wait for uh, like the SMS or update or checking when they were online last time. Uh, so my parents, my elderly parents who can't move are staying in their home uh, in the city which was bombed three days back and where the airport in that city was totally destroyed. And there are some other destructions caused by the Russian army and the Russian bombing and shelling. So um, like my mother has a heart condition and, and a high blood pressure condition. And so my brother has to deal with all, all those issues, the normal issues of the old age. Plus that like people are asking me, can they flee? No, they can't flee because they can't move. And there is millions of people like that, of elderly who can't move from their homes. They live in the high rise. They can't even go down to the bomb shelter. They have to stay somewhere slightly further from the windows, but it's like, it's a very flimsy situation and, and the lives have become very fragile. And we have children also who are helpless in, in, the, in the face of the war. We have elderly, we have women. Uh, like, as I said, the maternity house was bombed two days back. Uh, yeah, so I wouldn't even touch upon uh, the fact that there is a lot of um, information who uh, like on the Russian side from the from the uh, you know those bots and all who are saying that all this is photoshopped uh, all this is lies and all that kind of stuff so it's very very painful to read that but we have to put it on our chin and move on and do what we can to protect the, the land to protect the people. Uh, help us understand what are some misconceptions you mentioned that uh, there's been talks about you know all this is not really happening, like it's been photoshopped and all that. So help us understand what are some of the misconceptions uh, in the media about uh, this war? Okay, uh, I don't have, I, I mean, you see, I'm full-time, uh, not full-time because I also have my daily duties here and with my family, with my, with my son, with my job also, uh, so I, put as much effort as I can in like helping and uh, uh, raising awareness and, and helping in, in, in uh, donation drives and all. But I do uh, follow some of the, you know, snippets here and there on the, uh, on the internet and all. So the most, the, the biggest misconception is that, and, and some of the so-called friends have been sending me those videos and all that Ukraine is bombing uh, itself, you know. Uh, Ukrainian government and Ukrainian army is throwing bombs on their own people. Uh, Russian troops uh, are not there, almost like, and uh, 
uh, also like things when you see the photos, the pictures, it's not the first time I receive like, um, you know, those SMS attacks saying that, okay, you know, this, this, uh, this big crowd at the, um, at the railway station, it's just photoshopped. It's one person multiplied, you know, it's, also, it's just a small picture multiplied by thousands. And that's how you see they've show, they photoshopped this big crowd and they just take the information. And, uh, you know, the, those women, it's one woman who's been uh, photoshopped in multiple places and all this. Um, and, and yesterday I was listening to the foreign minister of Russia who was saying that uh, they are not going to attack other countries and they didn't even attack Ukraine. So, I mean, this blatant lies, uh, which come from, you know, from the, from the very top of the, of, of, of Russian government and which is, uh, you know, passed over to, to the brainwashed people who have made the television their guru and, and they're listening to what, the propaganda, what what the television tells them. Uh, so I, th these are one of the, these are some of the most common kind of like, um, you know, uh, information attacks which I came across. There, there is much more, but I just don't simply don't have the time to follow all of them. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I can, uh, I can imagine that that's very uh, frustrating as well. Uh, not only are you going through suffering, you're having to kind of justify that this is actually happening. It's almost like gaslighting the people. Uh, so do you think the Western media is hijacking the news of the war and the Ukrainian voice? Or do you think they're aligned with what the Ukrainians uh, want to bring out as well? I guess the reputable channels like BBC, uh, I mean, CNN to some extent, uh, they're quite... Uh, uh, you know, uh, adequate in highlighting the situation because they do have the reporters who are there on the ground. And I've seen in the first two, two or three days of the war, and especially now, ten, uh, it's two weeks now. It's the fifteenth day of the fifteenth day of the war. I can, I have seen the reporters, uh, the kind of the mindset they came with to Ukraine, and now how they see the situation. Their opinion has totally changed, have totally changed because. Um, you know they they can see how people are standing for themselves how people are defending their freedom and democracy and and the values so they came with the mind that oh okay you know let's see maybe uh we don't know let's see what is going on here these crazy people what they're doing but now they are absolutely changed their mindset is, has changed because of the heroism of the people and the, yeah we do have the refugees and all but we also have those who stand for themselves um uh, in the territory defense, territorial defense, and uh, and uh, and definitely the the, the armed forces. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, wanted to uh, touch upon uh, a controversial topic. There has been a lot of news about the Azov battalion. Uh, what do you think about that? Is that a boogeyman, or do you have any thoughts on the uh, the coverage of that as well? I'm not an expert on all the, you know, on all the armed forces and battalions uh, in Ukraine. I know that this battalion was formed in 2014 uh, during the beginning of the Russian invasion in Donetsk and Luhansk region, regions. So they have been very uh, active in, in defending, you know, in, in their defense against the Russian army. Uh, and I guess, uh, I mean, of, I, I guess the main uh, um, point 
that people say that this battalion, they're Nazis, they're, you know, they're anti-human and all that. But however, uh, you know, um, anybody uh, in, uh, from Russian point of view, from the point of view of propaganda, Ukraine is full mm. of Nazis. Uh, uh, no, they call them neo-Nazis. They call them neo-Nazis. To me, uh, I absolutely don't understand this term. To me, a Nazi is somebody who is, during the Second World War, uh, their main point was to to kill and prosecute the Jews. Uh, of what I understand, if I know a little, the little I know about the history. I mean, whatever I studied in school, um, so and and in the university. So the the Nazis are those people who are fighting you know who who are trying to destroy the jews so what is neo-nazis i absolutely don't understand because during the second world war uh, a lot of ukrainians including my grandmother she was giving shelter to two jewish women for one week in her house in the basement risking her life uh and you know and and there was millions of ukrainians who did that so how we are neo-Nazis or how we are Nazis, I don't understand. I guess in Putin's and propaganda kind of view, anybody who is uh, doesn't want to say that we are Russians, uh, we are the same as Russians, Ukrainians and Russians are the same. Anybody who says that we are separate, anybody who says that we are independent, we, we just, you know, get out of here. We have our own place we have our own land and anybody from their point of view is a nazi so in that case yes as all might be nazis but i am not very confident to say about like all the details but i mean definitely they are defending ukrainian land so to me uh you know anybody who defends women and elderly uh and and children in ukraine i can't call them nazi i can't uh, could you give us a brief history of uh, ukraine maybe starting up uh, from late 20th century leading up to the 1991 separation and uh, and then a little bit after that as well yeah okay so i i mean like you 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 uh, like it's like neo a neo new history right but it's very difficult to understand ukrainian history uh, especially in relationship uh, to in our relationships with Russia without understanding a little bit more, like going back to a few more centuries. So Kyiv, uh, which is the capital of Ukraine, is going to celebrate 1,540 years this year. So it's an ancient city. Uh, if you, I mean, uh, if anybody was in Ukraine before, or and I don't know when we are going to rebuild the country, um, uh, if anybody is going to go to Ukraine and see the cathedrals, which which are there, standing there, uh, it's like they're they are built in tenth uh, century, eleventh century, which is a long time ago. So apparently, the cathedrals were built when when the country had some money already to do that. You know, before that, uh, the settlements uh, there were settlements around Kiev. So Kiev was uh, growing as a as a successful. Um, country as a successful kingdom and then it was expanding so ex it expanded uh, uh, you know like in those days it expanded to the north also so moscow was uh, only founded in like whatever they put in their history i don't know how much i can believe in it now so it was founded like 20, uh, 12 something something so uh well while kiev was already a settled developed city and the kingdom around it was settled developed moscow was not even there 
So, and definitely as it was expanding to the north, then uh, like Moscow was growing. And also they were, they were sort of like uh, Nawabs under Mughals, you know, so it, it was Kievan kingdom. So Kiev means, Kiev is the name of the city. Uh, and then uh, it was Kievan Rus. So Rus has nothing to do with Russians. It's the Iranian word, which means people with a light brown hair or uh, uh, reddish hair. So that, that's all That's all it means. So I mean, the, the kind of hair, you know, the, this is the, the people which the color of the hair they were, they were named. So um, after that, uh, like, uh, because the, in those days, you know, the territories were attacked from all sides, from Tatars on the south, from different tribes uh, on the east and uh, in the north and in the west. So we had the formations of warriors in Ukraine, which are called Cossacks. Uh, Ukraine, I mean, the civilization forms around the rivers, the civilization forms on the fertile land. So there is, there is a big river, uh, Dnipro around uh, in Ukraine. So the, the, the Kiev was formed there. So the settlements were there. So um, uh, people are having their agricultural activities there. You know, they grow food there. It's the same in India around the rivers. It's the same in China around the rivers. It's the same everywhere. So um, those warriors, they were holding their agricultural settlements there. They were growing crops, they were doing things, uh, they were raising their kids and all, but they also formed themselves, uh, like formed the groups uh, to defend those lands. So in normal times, they will just lead their normal households. Then if there was the danger of other tribes attacking them, they would gather around Dnipro River, which goes into the Black Sea, and it was called Zaporizhia. And then they will have their battalions there and they will train there to defend the country. So this is the Cossacks. So Cossacks appeared in about 12th, 13th, 14th century. And they were very powerful warriors and they were even uh, hired by other kingdoms to, to defend, you know, against whatever uh, enemies was attacking. Then I think around 16th century, uh, Russia, Moscow, it was not Russia then, it was Moscow kingdom. So they grew in power and they, you know, went against Kyiv and they sort of like, they, they were so powerful that they had a lot of disputes with Kyiv and all. And then they started by treachery and all, they started uh, obtaining um, fighting with Kyiv and all. So it came to the point that Cossacks, uh, Cossack hood was actually abolished and it was ruined by Catherine II. She was a German uh, person who was married into the Russian Tsar uh, lineage. So she has destroyed, uh, she had destroyed uh, Cossacks, she, she abolished it, she, she punished them, she sent them into exile and, and all that. So Ukraine became, there was a lot of fights between uh, Ukraine, U Ukrainian warriors and Ukrainian lands and the Russia who was constantly attacking. So it's been going on for about 400 years. So, um, and finally, uh, after the Catherine, uh, after Catherine, Catherine II, after she abolished the Cossacks, she sort of like uh, took Ukraine and colonized Ukraine completely. So Ukraine was a colony, was part of Russia for 300 years. Uh, in 19, uh, Ukrainian language was banned multiple times by the laws which were issued by Russia. Uh, Ukrainian culture was banned. Books in Ukrainian were banned. Uh, like Ukraine, uh, 
Kiev Mohyla Academy, where I studied, it was the first university in East Europe, but it was banned. Uh, I mean, like it was going on, but then it was um, sort of like um, uh, downplayed and then it was banned during the USSR times. Uh, then, but but you see like uh, Cossack, uh, Cossacks were running on democracy. This is always the like um, the the hetman, their headman. The, it was all elected by the democratic kind of voting and elections. So Cossacks and Ukraine has always been running. It's it's like traditionally it's like it's it's democratic uh, choosing of the of the rule and all. Uh, whereas Russia has always been, you know, worshiping their king and all that kind of stuff. So these are two different kind of mentalities from the very beginning. So uh, then when Ukraine became a colony of Russia, sort of like part of Russia, so all these things like uh, the first constitution, which was issued uh, by one of them, was issued in 1710, uh, like uh, by Philip Orlik, Ukrainian. It was the first constitution and uh, democratic constitution issued in Europe uh, by a Ukrainian guy. So anyways, sorry, it's just like a lot of things to say. So. So Ukrainian culture, Ukrainian language was banned during the Russian uh, rule of the Russian Tsar. Then in 1917, Russia of Russia Empire overturned their power. They they killed their Tsar, and Ukraine gained independence for a short while from 1917 to 1922. Uh, uh, however, after that, they uh, they were captured by by the USSR, so called, which was actually the the, the Russia. Russia was the one who was just going and, and taking over those lands because they had more powerful army and they were so eventually they've sort of like conquered, but they call it uh, liberated. This is the kind of liberation which is happening now also in Ukraine. They want to liberate us from ourselves. So they, they've taken those 15 different countries and Ukraine was part of the USSR from 1917 to 1991. Uh, when the, I mean, there was a lot of um, oppression of, of, of the different, like of all the nationalities, uh, as a Ukrainian who grew up, my formative years were spent in the USSR, not only I was oppressed as a Ukrainian, where just saying that you're Ukrainian was sort of like, like people will look down on you. If you speak Ukrainian language, they will look down on you. If you say that you're Ukrainian, they will look down on you. So also there was no freedom of speech. I was forced to go and sing about, uh, you know, worshiping Lenin, sing like in North Korea now, singing that Lenin is the best person in the world. And because we are happy children, we have to, uh, you know, pray and worship Lenin for that. There was no freedom of religion, absolutely. There was no freedom of choice. There was not freedom, uh, like it was absolute totalitarian kind of stuff. So economically, it was also not working very well. So. In 1991, the USSR dissolved into 15 separate um, pieces. You know, it, it disintegrated because it just couldn't function together. So Ukraine was, after Russia, Ukraine was the second uh, most important country. Uh, the biggest is Kazakhstan by territory, but by population, Ukraine is the second largest. So after that, Ukraine was sort of a separate country. Uh, and then, um, uh, there was a lot of economic things uh, uh, happening, uh, like uh, there was hyperinflation and all, but Ukraine managed to survive economically. We had our reforms implemented in 1996. Uh, however, um, also another important fact, in 1994, there was the, um, you know, Ukraine, uh, 
uh, had the largest, uh, the, I think the third largest uh, potential uh, nuclear, nuclear weapon uh, stock after the US and after Russia. So Ukraine was actually made to surrender uh, all the nuclear weapons uh, and everything was taken over by Russia. So I think uh, it was a conscious decision to, to, to make Ukraine do that. And we became the first peacemaking country in the world, which is okay, fine. But then uh, the US, Russia and the UK, they have uh, uh, sort of like in this memorandum, Budapest memorandum, that they, they were sort of like um, playing as a guarantors of sovereignty of Ukraine and the independence of Ukraine. And then the very country who was there in this agreement, in this treaty, uh, they have breached the rule and then they attacked, you know, first in 2014 and then uh, now full-fledged uh, invasion in 2022. Um, yeah, so, uh, but he, we, have, we have this long history of going against uh, multiple attempts of Russia to put a puppet government in Ukraine. First time it happened in 2004 uh, with the elections. I mean, we've always had democratic elections. People are choosing, uh, people are voting for, for, for their leaders. Uh, and and we, we've always had, uh, before that we had honest democratic uh, elections. In 2002, even though uh, another president won, uh, uh, even though the the people were casting the votes for another president, ultimately what happened is um, uh, the result was that the puppet president won. So people went against because like even my parents, they were at the elections uh, and then there were sort of like um, the volunteers who were counting the votes and they could see that at their constituency, everybody voted for Yushchenko. But in the end, the results are Yanukovych won. So, and it happened all across the country and people got really angry and they said that we want the democratic, you know, we want the, we want, uh, um, we, this is not what we were voting for. So they went down to the streets, they went out to the streets and they demanded uh, uh, that this has to be honest and democratic. So the constitutional court made their investigations and they uh, saw that the elections were actually falsified. So uh, this was the first time, the first Maidan. Then the second time, 2014, what happened, uh, the, another president who was also democratically elected, but with uh, the disclaimer that he, I mean, he was a puppet of Russia, but he was elected only because he promised that uh, he will not change the vector of policy and economic a vector and then we will go into the association with the European Union. It's not that we want to be in the European Union or we are dying to be with America. It just happens that our values are in line with those values, democratic, um, you know, uh, freedom of choice values, not like the, uh, the king worshipping uh, <laughs> Russia. So in 2014, again, uh, what happened? Uh, the you know this president he first he signed off the association with the European Union like with the perspective that one day Ukraine will become part of the European Union but uh, he got the money from Russia I think 15 million dollars uh, or something and he turned around 180 degrees and he cancelled that 
So when people heard that, they came out to the streets and they said, this is what you promised. Why you don't keep to your promises? Plus the fact that he was utterly corrupt and all. So uh, people were just protesting against, uh, you know, against uh, going, turning around and, and, and not keeping to promises and, you know, going along again, going along with Russia. So people went down in the streets and they were protesting against the corrupt government which doesn't keep their promises. And Russia capitalized on this because, you know, when there are internal, um, uh, some kind of conflicts within the country, it's very easy to just implant whatever you want. So what they did, they annexed, I mean, they've just grabbed Crimea because the referendum which was held there was not, uh, you know, uh, not honest. Uh, it was, I mean, the, the, it was falsified. And as it is for many, many years, especially during the S uh, USSR times, the uh, Russians were in, in, in uh, there was, I mean, like there was a lot of uh, migration within the USSR. So there was a lot of Russians, like the, the popula Russian population from the beginning of the 20th century and to the end of the 20th century doubled. So we had like 9% of Russians only, and now we have like 17 to 18% of Russians in Ukraine. And uh, so Russia came to those regions in Donetsk and Luhansk and they said that there are Russian people here, they're being oppressed. And so that's why we need to come here and defend them. And the Russian people themselves were against it, but you can't do much when there are already regular troops, there are Russian regular troops. But Russia used to deny that we are not there. No, 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 we are not there. Ukrainians are just killing themselves. However, you know, it, and that war, which started in 2014, it, it was going on there in these two regions and Crimea, of course, became, you know, they've just stolen that part of land. So, and then for, in these eight years from 2014 until now, 2022, 14,000 people died in that war. And now within two days, we also have thousands in losses. And 20, on the 24th of February, Russia has openly announced that, okay, we are going into Ukraine because Ukraine is, um, they can possibly attack us. So they say that they don't want NATO to expand and they are defending their motherland. However, why do you defend your motherland on, on my motherland territory? You know, this is utterly unfair and this is uh, not justifiable. Totally. Thank you so much, Galinaji. That gives us good context. So it seems like... Uh... Uh, Ukrainian uh, culture at its core has been mostly democratic and uh, over the years due to Russian invasion there has been a totalitarian regime uh, at uh, certain points in history but uh, you identify as a Ukrainian with the core values of democracy, free speech and uh, uh, and and so on and hence the alignment with the West. Uh, so uh, what do you think about uh, uh, NATO? Like did Zelensky do the right thing by trying to align with NATO or could this have been averted by upholding the Minsk agreement? Uh, I don't uh, I don't quite understand why, how Zelensky aligned with NATO because uh, Ukraine is not part of NATO and uh, it has never been. The only thing which was promised is the sovereignty uh, in 1994, and then it was violated. So, uh, and Zelensky also, you know, like we, it's not even the question of being part of NATO now, it's the question of survival. So, if Russia is afraid of NATO, uh, I mean, 
to me, I'm like, by capturing Ukraine, uh, Russia doesn't want NATO to expand. They don't want to border on NATO. They want to protect their motherland. Okay, but if you capture Ukraine, then uh, Latvia and Estonia, they are already NATO. So you, if you are going to be bordering uh, on those countries, you will already have NATO at your doorstep. So, uh, like, if you really uh, look at this, you know, from a fair perspective, then it's not really about NATO. It's just about the fact that to Mr. Putin, it's Ukraine is not a country. <laughs> Ukrainians are not a nation. The Ukrainians are the same as Russian. So, uh, and that's, that's, that's what, I mean, it's not about the NATO and we have never ever in our history attacked uh, Russia or any other country. The only, I mean, we always had our warriors, but that was only to defend ourselves. Uh, would you view Ukraine uh, in, the, in the last few years as a true democracy? Uh, how has Western influence from Europe and U, uh, US played into the country? Um, yeah, I would say it's a true democracy because all the elections which were held in Ukraine and I've been participating in all of the, maybe the, the very first elections I didn't in the independent Ukraine because I was under under 18 years old then, so I couldn't vote. But I've seen uh, my family voting and my friends, my elder friends voting. And, and, and so it was a democratic election. It was, uh, and, and when there was the, you know the the chan there was the it was obvious that the the <coughs> sorry that the results were falsified against the democratic uh you know principle then people came out and they they told everyone very openly about it so i don't think you need to have the influence of the west to you know to uh, to stand for your rights uh, it's 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 a basic principle which which is ingrained uh, you know in in the mindset of every Ukrainian. We we want it fair. The principle of fairness is is always there. Uh, if it's not fair, we go out and we we announce announce it. We we tell everyone about it and we want it to be fair. So I, you know, I've heard this uh, discourse that in 2014. Uh, uh, the Maidan was funded by America. In uh, 2004, the Maidan was funded by America. Uh, I don't know how it was funded. All my family from all over Ukraine, because part of my family lives in, in the capital, in Kyiv, but I also have extended family living all over different cities. All of them came to Kyiv. They were just camping in my apartment, sleeping on the floor, because there are many of them, uh, and the house is small. And, uh, and there was many families like that who came to defend the fairness, the principle of uh, fairness, the principle of freedom of choice. None of us was paid for it. None of them was paid for it. So it's, um, I think what is said, it's, it's, I, it's, I think these rumors can be spread only by those who don't understand what is the principle of fairness and the principle of democracy. If it is within you, You'll just go out, out on a limb no matter what and try to defend your view if you know that the truth is on your side. Uh, do you think, Galinaji, uh, Russian uh, presence pushed Ukrainians to kind of get a little bit support from other countries in the world that were aligned with democratic values and hence the West? Would you characterize it that way? 
uh, if he pushed if uh, if russian uh, pressure and uh, uh, you know aggression kind of pushed you to make allies with other countries that were uh, aligned with the same values that you uh, were aligned with and hence ukraine and the west formed a more natural alliance well I don't know how much he pushed. I mean, we've always been oriented towards those democratic values of the West. It just happened so that if they were in the West, if they were in the North, we would have been aligned with the North. I mean, people would have said that Ukrainians are aligning with the North or the South, you know, it, it just historically happens that, that, you know, whatever fight for freedom, mm -hmm. it just happens there. So, uh, uh, yeah, Pre President Putin, uh, he he invaded Ukraine, so we started right. we started asking for help simply not because you know uh, yeah okay it's not like okay they're bombing our streets and all, oh okay we want to be aligned with the values uh, people just started yeah. screaming for help you know so makes sense. Uh, yeah, do you so. think uh, in the do you think the West has been a strong enough ally in this time of need uh, or do you think there could have been more that you could have uh, received uh, from your allies in the West? Well, you see, by saying ally, ally is a very uh, strong word, I guess. I mean, they are, of what I understand from the allies are those people who are coming and helping like with um, with their soldiers, with their, like when we, when we talk about the Second World War, allies are those who are probably mm -hmm. fighting on your side. Uh, they are well-wishers, they are supporters, but I wouldn't call them allies because none of them is uh, fighting on Ukrainian land. We do have some, now we, there are some nationals from other countries who came on their own, mm -hmm. out of their own effort to, uh, I mean, whichever country's legislation help, uh, allows them, that they just came to Ukraine with their experience to, to help to fight. The West would have been, uh, okay, I guess uh, the West was quite mm -hmm. slow in response uh, for the past two or three days, for the for the first two or three days of the war, <clears throat> you know they. But I guess that's how I mean the diplomacy and all. That's how it works. It doesn't work immediately. It's only the bombs, which kill people immediately. They work immediately. But um, so it took a few. Uh, it took. I mean, Ukraine was screaming about the problem for many years. Uh, however, you know, Russia as a descendant of the USSR, what actually happened when the USSR disintegrated, they have taken the right for everything which USSR was uh, entitled to. So they have taken, uh, they became, they've become the member of uh, the United Nations just by default. Every other country had to apply for it and get permission to get in there, whereas Russia entered there by default. And now being the biggest, uh, you know, country uh, like to get along with the US, uh, Russia and France and uh, whichever country can't it just, uh, you know, slip up, slip, slip up. And Russia has the, 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 the uh, what do you call it? Russia has the right of uh, putting the veto. So whatever Ukraine says, Russia just puts the veto. And Lavrov uh, has been blatantly lying and, and whatever representatives of Russia, they're sitting there and they're blatantly sitting there and saying, oh, we, we haven't attacked Ukraine. Whereas the whole world is watching the attacks in real time. So uh, also like, I mean, not to say about that Russia has taken over all the properties 
of the USSR, like in all, all countries, they, they've got the embassies, they've got all other properties. So they've, they've taken all of that by default, being the, the descendant of the USSR, but that is not fair also, you know. So, sorry, I think I started saying this, but I sort of like lost the question. No, already. I think uh, you did answer it in terms of like, the main question was that, do you think the Western support has been uh, uh, strong enough or do you think they, they can do more in terms of helping Ukraine get out of this crisis situation? I really, I really think they, I really think they can do more. And but I mean, I to be fair, you know, they are doing now because because it's just turned out uh, very dangerous for the people, and and they do provide a humanitarian help, which is much needed now because there are uh, there there is almost one to two. I I I just a few days back, it was about one million of refugees. I think it's coming to two million now because. Like from my friends, even those who were the strongest, even those who were, um, who 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 said that they will fight till the last in the territorial defense, and they're still staying. They used to still stay in Kiev, hiding in the bomb shelters. But they have children. Many of them have young children. And after two weeks, I look at these families. Like one of my friends, uh, they didn't want to leave. The only decision they made this decision to leave only after a cruise missile ended on the, in their garden, and you, for for your information, uh, the the diameter of the of the hole from the cruise missile is six meters, so it's more than a and the diameter of a normal of the normal room at the house, and half of their house was blown up into the air in one second. So they were lucky that they were sleeping in the other side of the house and that side of the house was not um, damaged. So immediately in, in fear, you know, she said that her hands were shaking. Uh, she, whatever they could, they just dumped into the small suitcase and they took off and they went to, to they went as refugees. And she said, and they are 50 years plus, and she said that it's absolutely pathetic to become a refugee at this age and they don't even have small kids. Uh, and those people with the kids, another friend of mine, she she took this decision just this morning uh, because her little boy who is three years old, he woke up in horror in the morning and he says, mommy, bombs, bombs, bombs. Uh, so she didn't want to leave, but she also took this decision to be a refugee. And it's not that people are leaving and they are happy about it. They are not happy about it. They are hoping that they can come back, but they say that this is what the people in 2014 who were fleeing Donetsk and Luhansk, they were also saying that we'll come back soon, but it's eight years. So it's it's ruined lives. It's everything which they they were living and 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 doing for, for, for the whole of their life, they have to abandon that and become refugees. Pathetic, right? Many people have the sense of guilt because they are fleeing as refugees and then they're not fighting and defending, but they have to do that for their children or for their elderly or for sick people. So yeah, yeah that's how it is. It's very traumatic. Uh, I can't imagine like being in that uh, position, having to choose between, you know, the lives of your kids and fighting for your motherland. It's it's an impossible situation to be in. Uh, Talina ji, uh, do you think dharma can help uh in this in some way uh dharmic view how do you think it could help find common ground and uh you know help with this situation 
Well, you see, as for when we are speaking about dharma, uh, dharma is um, doing what you're meant for, right? Uh, pursuing your uh, inner nature, your qualities, right? So, um, however, it also comes with um, the underlying values, right? So, um, I think that such values as, I mean, if we if we look at the whatever scriptures we are reading, uh, it says there that even God, even Bhagavan, leaves the jiva, leaves the soul with the right to choose. The freedom of choice is up to them, right? So um, the value of freedom of choice, the value of being able to live, which is the basic principle, the basic human right, the right to live as a human. Uh, even these basic principles are violated now in the war. They are violated by somebody who is exercising a gross adharma, which is Russia and Putin. Uh, even Krishna says that you have to defend. He tells Arjuna that you can't sit there and watch and and or, or go. You you are a, you are a kshatriya. You are a warrior. So your dharma is to fight. And I guess the war really shows um, the real face of people and the real qualities of people. And we see those things happening in Ukraine also. We have uh, a big community of uh, Krishna devotees in Ukraine, and. It was very obvious uh, when the war started, some of those devotees took the weapons and they went to fight. Many of them are military people. I think their innate nature is to go and fight and defend and protect. So many of the devotees took the weapons and went to the front line to fight. However, many devotees took up the mission of doing the food for life, for example, which is also another a program by um, uh, the devotees. So they are being there. I don't know whatever Varna it is, uh, but uh, it's I don't know. Maybe it's um, it's not a Kshatriya Varna. It's something else. So they feel that they are more useful there. Uh, there are also the devotees who took up the you know the educational side, the informational side. Like the the my friend, she used to work in a Gurukul as a teacher. So she's now uh, like the main point of providing the information and also people naturally took to these uh you know uh, to to whatever their qualities permit they took to this but they're all all of us we are de defending dharma which is the principles uh the overlying values and principles of freedom of choice fairness um and 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 the right to live uh, in a human form you know and also like uh, there's a lot of uh, people who are saving even the, they're, they're not even leaving their animals behind. They're trying to save the dogs and the cats who, who are being abandoned. So I think Ukraine is defending the dharma now for the principles of dharma, because if, I mean, like if, if everybody closes their eyes and if they're trying to crucify one of the, one of the countries, like what happened with Chamberlain, it's inevitable. If, it's like Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, if you don't fight now, the gross adharma is going to spread. So we, we simply can't, 
we simply can't allow that to happen. So, and I'm, I firmly believe that Ukraine is standing for dharma now, for the, for the dharma of a human. I mean, whatever separate qualities of each person are, we will think about it later. But people are already taking to the kind of things which they feel they can do according to their qualities. Uh, but the total, the common collective dharma for us is to stand against the evil now. Thank you, Galina Ji. Uh, what, uh, what can we do to help? How have you been uh, helping from as a part of the Ukrainian Association in Singapore? Love to know how uh, you, you've been helping and also how the audience and all of us can help as well. Um, oh, we have uh, been very active in uh, you know, raising the awareness about the situation providing the true information as much as we can, uh, true updates. Uh, we have started this web page, which is called Humans from Ukraine. Uh, so, I mean, you can just uh, hit that uh, on the internet and you, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Facebook page. So there are the recent updates with the most uh, recent information there. And we also have the donation uh, drives. Uh, I've been involved into that as, as along with many other activities. Yeah, so we have we are, we are doing the fundraiser fundraising for for the uh, we are raising the awareness about the fundraising. We are not raising mm -hmm. the funds per se, but um, there are the organizations, and from the individuals, we are raising the mm -hmm. fund through the Red Cross, and donations go to the Red Cross, and the Red Cross is uh, channeling that to to Ukraine to help in the humanitarian crisis. I uh, really really uh, hope and pray that. We reach to a resolution soon and this, uh, this terrible time ends. I really, really hope that uh, and pray that you and your family and your friends are all safe. And thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, help us all understand the, the whole context of what's going on. Uh, really appreciate it, Galina Ji. Thank you so much. And thanks for reaching out to us for for the updates from, from people who are there on the okay. ground, yeah.